Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for some good recommendations on some slump books. Slump books. Books. This is how we described it as books that you can read fast when you're in a book slump. <laughs> to help me are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Two slumping Hi, high Nick. school English teachers. Two slumpy teachers. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. My name's Nick Holshue. That can't be right. My name is Joe Holshue. I'm bringing that good morning energy this morning. And if you are looking for a slump book, a book that I read when I am just so sick of reading all the other crap, I brought Philip Pullman's Golden Compass, mm. an absolute classic for children largely, but I, I read it like once a year. The amount of children's books we bring on this show is actually quite staggering. <laughs> there, there's a lot of like really high quality children's books. There's also like the goosebump stuff that we bring, which is just kind of dumb. But that's just good old fashioned fun. I feel like I feel like when you have lived a life so far of letters, you're you're going to have books from every period in that life that are valuable to you, including like nostalgic books that you read when you were a kid and you're like this is it this is great um well hello there nick pleasant morning joe nice to see you litheads this week i'm just a down-home old school teacher named dr andy young oh wow and i brought a slump book about small town life and donuts called homer price by robert mccloskey published well i'll save that for my 30 second plot when it's okay. published it's a Sounds secret good. Okay, it's, it's a secret it's like for a the next two and a half minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta keep the lid heads hanging on somehow. Stay tuned. I can't wait to find out when this donut book was published. Could you Google it? You sure could, but you shouldn't. You Don't should you wait. dare. Nope. You're I probably just imagine, driving right now. Uh, yeah, I just imagine all lit heads in cars. <laughs> like our entire... Lit heads in cars getting coffee. That's the name of this. That's the name of our group. <laughs> May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, 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 <laughs> Okay, a, sl a slump book. This is these are just book recommendations. What do you do? It's uh, what do you do when you're yeah. in, a, in a reading slump? Right. Do you Glad ever get in a reading slump? Well, yeah. So I've been in a slump for about sixteen years. Um, <laughs> you start a podcast. <laughs> I started a podcast. <laughs> out of it. it does not help. It hasn't worked mm -hmm. yet. Although I have read some of these books, um, I do like the fiction. Um, are they as good? Are they as good as as we say? I'm trying to think if there's like a book that I go back to. I go back to movies. I really should have started a movie podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but you <laughs> guys are filmmakers. <laughs> so here we are. Doesn't work. <laughs> what uh what movies what movies do you go back to, Nick? Like like what, what um, is that? What sparks you? There's a lot of comedies, you know, that you go back to. Uh, like Borat. Borat, Borat Two, Borat Three. Uh-huh. Um, all the behind the scenes, Borat, um, Borat, all the, the awakening, yeah, the, all the docs on YouTube about the uh, Borat and, you know, controversies, um, all those kind of classics. What about you? Uh-huh. Are there books that Borat, you, are there Borat books that you well really are like, I need to revisit this. Don't you revisit uh, Lord of the Rings every year? I mean, I, I do read the, no the novelization. I reread the novelization of Borat, uh, is one thing I do. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one where he's on the cover? 
It's printed on uh, cardboard for some reason. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do. For a while, I was going back to the Lord of the Rings every year, and I, I think I still do that. Um, there, there. With I'll, I'll be straight up with you guys. This week was hard because um, reading my reading habits have changed dramatically since starting Why? a podcast. Where we have to read a book every week. Um, there was like there was a time when when I would just sort of like kind of slither through the slither through life and pick up on books that people said were interesting and, and read them. Um, and now it's, it's more, it's more regimented. So I don't return to books the way I, I used to, um, right. but that, that, that time is over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it will be forever. Cause we'll do this show until we die. Right. Well, welcome. Let heads see you to know let to weekly, as we call it strongly podcast where every week we bring two book recommendations from two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. I don't remember hey, how this goes. Hey, that's nice. And uh, yeah, and uh, well, then we pick a winner to piss one of them off. And we have some show mm. rules, guys. Rule number one, don't spoil anything. Rule number two, uh, don't use words, Joe. And rule number oh, three, oh, no. don't Any? lose. <laughs> I don't like this. It's, it's three I don't like that. That is really avoid, the omit avoid. needless words um, spirit yeah, Nick true. has taken it's on. It's true. Nick is finally, and what is this, 16 years into the podcast? following his own advice his own rules the pod the pod joe tell me what your book is about nick when i'm in a slump i like to read about lyra lyra's a young girl who lives at oxford college she loves nothing more than climbing out of windows running along ramparts or declaring wars on the gyptian children who work the rivers and canals in town Whoa. it's a world with very little danger except for the Snatchers. You see, Nick, kids about Lyra's age have been disappearing from the streets of Cambridge, and when her best friend Roger disappears, Lyra goes to find him. It's the Golden Compass. You've heard of it. They made a movie out of it that was pretty okay. I think they made an HBO series out of it that was pretty good. 1995, it was written 400 pages long. I read it all the time. Um, all right, cool, cool. Who doesn't love a little child kidnap to get the blood flowing the old book blood flowing ian your uh -huh. turn <laughs> the town of centerberg is any mid-century american town the diner is the social club the old boys club gathers in the barbershop kids play outside late into the summer night but funky stuff keeps happening in centerberg from a donut maker that won't stop making donuts to an accidental pied piper of hamlin situation this week, my book is short, sweet, and full of beautiful pictures. Nice. Published oh. in 1943, Homer Price by Robert McCloskey. All right, I've never heard of your book, Ian. Nice. I've What's never heard one? of it either, but Classic. it all sounds so nostalgic. It's like, oh yeah. oh, yeah. It's got one of those like oh, yeah. nostalgic names. You know how some books yeah. are like, it's like really long, like, you know, something, something yep. emporium. Like the golden compass. Yeah. <laughs> Like there's just like a weird object in it. Yep. Yeah. Right. And it's like made of some kind of soft yellow metal. Yeah. Mine has neither yellow <laughs> nor metal in it. It's just the name of a boy. Homer Price. A great name of a boy. Um, Homer Price. Have, you, have either of you ever re read a little book I like to call Make Way for Ducklings? Nope. What's nope. it about? Wow. We're in different worlds. I, this is it's, it's fascinating to me that that this hasn't crossed over. He's uh, McCloskey is well, I'll wait for my time. McCloskey is a big deal in um, American children's books, uh, illustration and but Ian's steamrolling. Ian, you've steamrolled. Let's just keep going. Tell us about this. Okay. I've never heard of it. Um, and yeah, this is fascinating to me. I like to hear about books I've never heard about. Sure. 
I will start with sort of the nature of, of what we're dealing with here. Like what, what this book is doing. Grass. Uh, trees. Nature. Ducks. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of fish, actually. Um, so uh, this is this is, I guess what you would call a chapter book. So this week is is yet another week of we both we both brought children's books. Um, uh-huh. How are they named? I like that you guys, if you're in a slump, you revert to children's literature. Well, then, like, this is, this is right. This is something that we were talking about before. I think this is turned into a behavior podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, I think that these books are nostalgic, but I gotta be straight up with you guys. Uh, maybe I'll talk about why, why it's a slump book first, and then we'll, we'll get to the other pieces. Um, it, I, I, I've struggled with this, um, this theme ever since Nick in a fit of manic rage, uh, assigned it to us mm-hmm. um I, I, because as i say i haven't really had time for a reading slump um i was in grad school where you you're reading all the time and then i was in podcast where you're reading all the time so i i was i was standing in the shower thinking to myself what is a what is my i don't have slump book um and then my esteemed wife suggested to me well recently you were in a bedtime storybook slump with your son with our son um he and i are reading the same things i read him at, at bedtime and she's like, and you kind of broke out of that with Homer Price. Uh, of course, Homer Price is it. So Homer Price is um, a chapter book. The stories in it are somewhat connected. They, they all take place in the same HPU. I like this. So this is a book for if you're in a yep. slump with your kids. Yeah, this is. And it's very, very different from great idea. A lot of. It's quite different from a lot of like kids books today. Not in terms of like they're, they're bad today and they were good in the old days. This is just no, a very are. different vibe. Can I vibe. tell you the story though? Um, they, <laughs> please, they absolutely please. are. I opened up, our daughter brought home her first, she's three, her scholastic uh, book. Oh, oh yeah, nice. Oh, nice. Um, is it still the you know, same? Is it like the, the newspaper material? It's the same paper. Oh. Big day. That is the only Talk thing that's nostalgia. the same. This Uh-oh. thing is trash. It is, and I don't know if like, my parents would have looked at the ones that I had and said the same thing. But like you open it up, first off, they can only afford about three pages now. It's not the thick book it used to be. Times are tight. So (laughs) there's three pages. Two of them are... Every TV show that's on the, oh, the t- no. like it's Coco Melon, it's like no. uh, Daniel Tiger, it is all these like uh, Spider Man and all those, oh, and then like gracious. there's like a half of a page that's like oh those might be actual books, uh, and then it's over, and then uh, credit card information. <laughs> Nick, I bet there's nothing you've you have you have um, for years now you have been mean to every book that ian and i have brought you have broken lithead's hearts time and time and again attack is there is probably nothing you've ever said that has upset lithead's more than what you than the news that you just brought us (laughs) it was really disappointing and granted i don't know this is like for maybe a three-year-old maybe they they save the good ones for later but like all in all not getting them into good books early (laughs) is what the takeaway was for me because I, I threw it away and I said, we're just going to go to the library. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Truthbury. This Truthbury. is bullshit. Um, <laughs> interesting. That's, uh, that's a huge, that's a huge downer. It explains some of the things I see teaching, teaching, uh, teaching school now. So you um, need, but lit head, uh, you need a, a podcast recommendations for books apparently because you're not getting it from Scholastic anymore. <laughs> this is it. And this, this book is, this book is 80 years old. And in some ways, like it's talking about an America, which um, kind of has, 
it, it is nostalgic and I'll talk more about that in a minute, but um, it's a, it's delightful. It's, it's a, it's a pleasant place to be. So these stories are interconnected. Um, there are references to characters kind of coming and going. Uh, somebody who's a main character in one story will be a side character in another story. They'll, they'll oh, reference really back to, Oh, you remember when the donut machine broke that, that kind of thing. Um, but um, each story is standalone. Um, they are, it, it's it, the, the construction of the stories Usually they're kind of humorous. There's there's a little bit of adventure or something wacky happens. It's, um, it's a bedtime book. Yeah. Like, can you read a chapter of, in a bedtime? Not I mean, quite. yeah, kind of. Right. I mean, I think I think so. When I was when I was a kid reading this, um, my mom, like my mom assigned me this book. Uh, I was I was homeschooled. <laughs> she assigned uh-huh. me this book. For, we, like we can tell. Imp- OK, <laughs> to improve my, like, my critical <laughs> reading skills, because these stories have like a little bit of mystery. So oftentimes the way that they, the way that they, they play out, um, there's a, a central mystery or a problem. And the question is, how will this be solved? Um, or, or, or what's the, what's happening to lead to like, what are the clues point us to? So there's one where interactive. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's one story where um, there are three people who have been saving balls of string for, you know, decades and they get into <laughs> they a fight can't. over who is who's got the biggest <laughs> ball of string. And so they have a contest and the person who wins wins in a very clever way that you don't really pick up on until you are an adult reading it. Or if you're if you're seven year old Ian, you read it like four times and you go to your mama crying and say, I can't figure it out. How is she? <laughs> we need to come up with a name for this where the, chi- the, the children's media works for adults on an entirely different level. This is absolutely the, the Looney absolutely. Tunes. Yeah. yeah, this needs to be branded. I would call it simul- simultaneous audiences. Um, mm, children, that's children, not really catchy. It's not, it's not, it's not sticky. Sticky. That was sticky, terrible. Ian. How about Joe, stacks, it's a workshop. stacks of people? There's no bad idea. Stacks of people. Stacks of people. Mm. No, that's just that sounds like some sort of human centipede issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> multi-dimensional. <laughs> it's the multiverse. Worse. Worse. It's the multiverse. You got, you got more syllables than I did. Uh. <laughs> okay, put a pin in that. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is my my best example. Is you guys know the the American? Can you tell us what the plot is? So well, is each there story, an overarching plot? There's not really an overarching plot. Each story oh, okay. has each story has kind of a standalone thing where you get to know some of these characters better. So one of the stories, give us um, a yeah, give us a taste. One of the stories, probably my favorite, maybe the one, the most famous of these stories. Um, Homer, our the, the story kind of centers around him. All of these stories, he's our he's our everyman. Um, Homer goes to help his uncle. Um, all of Nick, you'll like this because Greek. All of the mm-hmm. the family, mm-hmm. the central family, um, Homer Price and his family have names from Greek mythology. So um, really good. He's got an uncle Ulysses. He's got an uncle Telemachus and so on and so forth. Um, what, um, when did this come out? 43, 43. Okay. So before the Simpsons, got it. Okay. Uh, a little bit, a touch, (laughs) a touch before the Simpsons. Um, so in this, in this one, in the story, Homer goes to, uh, help his, isn't it crazy to think that the Simpsons will probably be on a 2043 still? Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's like kind a, of a, it'll be a, a shell, a shell of its former shell of itself. Maybe um, it'll, can I tell the story about the donuts? I think that'd be that'd be, that'd okay. be great. Uncle, he goes to uh, Homer goes to his Uncle Ulysses diner and Uncle Ulysses is always buying these labor saving gadgets. This is 1943 when this is kind of a character. A char- this is this is one of the ways you sketch a character. And Uncle Ulysses has bought a automatic donut making machine and um he puts it, he's taken it apart and put it back together and he accidentally puts it together in such a way that when it starts, when you turn it on, you can't turn it off. 
And this rich lady comes in. She's like, oh, let me tell you how to make donuts according to my family recipe. And it's a huge batch. They dump the donut batter into the machine. They turn it on and it doesn't stop making donuts. There are thousands and thousands of donuts, donuts everywhere. And the problem is, how do we get rid? Not really. (laughs) Not really. It's just like it's (laughs) it's like a a classic. It's it's a classic kid problem. There are too many donuts. What do we do? But then the the rich lady comes back in and she's like, hey, I left my bracelet on the counter um, when I was making the donuts. Where do you guys think the bracelet went? (gasps) inside one donut. of the donuts because yeah, it's a perfect sure. it's perfectly donut yeah. shaped it's, it's in one of these it's one of these thousands of donuts right yeah. and so the next kid problem the next classic like it's 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 earth shattering that's great that's heartwarming it is problems, it is right? and so then there there are there are you got to eat all the donuts okay yeah. so i mean sorry danger. to go back to the simpsons here but homer really likes donuts no another good connection uh, Nick, well i wouldn't done. say homer like i would say everyone in centerburg likes donuts because uncle ulysses donut machine is mm. it works most of the time and they're really good copyright um, infringement it sounds like yeah the simpsons does copyright infringe this <laughs> like, i don't believe that to be the case but this book has this book and this author are influential enough that it's possible. Like it's, it's Is he possible. Working a nuclear power plant. <laughs> no, there are no nuclear power plants here. Okay. Not yet. Um, this, the, the whole vibe of this, um, do you guys know the American artist, Norman Rockwell? Uh, this, 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 this is like if Norman Rockwell was fiction, was a fiction book. Yeah. Um, it's that's, it's that kind of Americana that, that imagines, um, it, it's like documentary, but it's also optimistic. It imagines like, this is what America can and should be. Um, Homer is like this archetypal American boy. He rides his bike. He goes fishing. Um, does he have catchphrases like don't have a cow, man? <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, no, I feel like we're, we're getting really focused on this and it doesn't really <laughs> affect anything. But, um, the, 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 the book, when I read it out loud, the wacky characters all of course have wacky voices, but Homer's voice mm. isn't wacky because Homer is kind of, like I say, he's your everyman. You can identify yeah. with him. And as he gets into all these situations, um, uh, you kind of you, you're there with him. So it's a pleasant book. Um, it's uh, it's a book that I can come back to and get new things from. Not just like understand the stories a little bit better, understand character, but kind of enjoy enjoy being transported to this world. I want to talk a little bit about McCloskey, if that's okay. Yes. Yeah, this this guy. So this is, is it's really kind of getting into this is really fascinating because I, um, I asked you, asked you guys if you had heard of it, probably his most famous book, which is make way for ducklings. Um, and you hadn't, which can only tell me that you're, uh, Philistines, Philistines who have no culture. Um, so McCloskey was primarily an illustrator of children's books. Um, he wrote and illustrated a few books or there eight of his eight books, he wrote eight books um, and he illustrated a bunch more. Um, he said once that he, he thought in pictures um, and then he fil- filled in. He's the, the quote is, I think in pictures, I fill in between pictures with words. My first book I wrote in order to have something to illustrate. So he went to school for art. <laughs> yeah. He was primarily an artist. And at some point he started kind of drawing on his childhood in Ohio and sort of living on the East Coast, living in Maine. And he was like, I'm doing this visual thing. And it just so happens I'll throw some words in here, too. 
And so the characters, you can really see this in this book, the characters kind of move through these tableaus and the pictures are just so, so good. He's a good writer, but the pictures, he's a great illustrator. It's kind of like, let me describe this here. I mean, just the cover here. It's like almost, almost Dr. Seussian. If Dr. Seuss drew real people. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, like it's like a real. Well, and it's know, the same era. Nick, normally it's the proportioned same era. Child. Yeah. But it's very wacky. Like the, you know, he's look. he's in front of a machine and the pipes in the machine are all curly Q yep. and like yeah. it's very yep. detailed and like there's a lot of like things that draw you in. Yes, it's it's engaging. It's visually engaging. And a lot of his a lot of his illustrations are um, the sort of things that you look at and you notice more. And you kind of there there is it's exact it's, it's I mean we use the Pixar example earlier it's exaggerated but it's also familiar it's understandable if you're if you're reading it to a kid they could stare at a picture for a really long yes, time yes yeah. and he's such yeah. a good artist like um he, he it's it's really like high quality work um the characters like are distinguished differentiated from each other you can almost kind of like hear the characters as you look at them. McCloskey is interesting because he was he lived a really he had a long life. He was very popular, but he didn't actually publish a whole lot. Um, he, like I said, he only wrote eight books um, out of those books. Four of them were either Caldecott winners or Caldecott honors. So this is new. Out. I've never heard of this Caldecott. Is that Scottish? Uh, no, it's it's actually it's been around for for about 90 years. This is the, hmm. the equivalent of. Uh, the the Newberry for yeah. picture books. So if you oh. if you write a ch- like a kids chapter book, you get a Newberry uh, if it's good, if it's the best. If you write a really good picture book, you win a Caldecott. So this is a pretty incredible uh, batting percentage, uh, batting average. Yeah, <laughs> uh, four out of his eight books are Caldecotts, and then uh, one of the books he illustrated. His mother in law wrote a book. He illustrated it. That was a Caldecott winner. So this guy's like taking the world by storm and he was very well respected, but he only he didn't do much. He didn't actually write that much. And I don't know. This is the piece that's fascinating to me about McCloskey. I don't know what he did. Like maybe his wife was rich. Maybe he came from money. Maybe he found (laughs) some gold. But like I I struggle. I struggle to believe that he supported himself on these eight, eight authored books and you know 15 or so illustrated books mm-hmm. there's nothing else he didn't do other things um maybe he but, lived a, a humble life you know he didn't yeah went to go went for to the Walmart. gold like t- like high school english teachers do and you know live this luxurious life you know maybe Lavish. he just yeah a life of modesty i like to think of mccloskey as the anti-stephen king because whereas stephen king moved to maine and immediately started writing terrifying horrifying stories about how evil maine is mccloskey moved to maine and he was like oh okay all of my stories are set here now um, and it's <laughs> yeah. the most wholesome there's like blueberry picking there's like digging for clams <laughs> it's the most wholesome mm. crap you've ever seen and it's a delight to read to your kids as a matter of fact because of this i think i'm going to find a copy nick and send it to you and then you'll be forced to read it to CC. And then I can force her to read forced things. Forced to yeah. read it. And and that is how we were going to get Nick to read a book yes. on this show. Yes. <laughs> Kids books. You're going to have to come down to my level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Joseph, Joseph, yes. tell me what your book is about. What is it called? All right. My book is called The Golden Compass. When was um, it written? Yep. Who wrote it? When was it originally published? What it originally published in 1995. How many copies were originally sold? Many. <laughs> It's really good audio, guys. You're crushing it. So this is the Golden Compass. I would imagine, Nick, that um, unlike Kalvikoski, you have some familiarity with this. Like, have you- Kalvikoski? Kalvikoski? No, 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 no. Like Ian, whatever Mikloski. we know Ian was just talking about. His Dr. Susian. His time mm. is over, right, Joe? Um, yeah, that's right. What, um, what did you say, Joe? You pre- you've heard of this book, yes? Say the, ta- the name? The Golden Compass. Mm-hmm, yes. The Golden Compass. <laughs> the Golden By Compass. By Stanley Tucci. No. <laughs> All right. Did you know okay, that Stanley Nick. Tucci secretly wrote this? It, it's true. I'm learning so much today. This is my conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nick. Joe, I've heard of it. I have, uh, I have heard of it. I have no idea what it's about. It sounds old. Yeah. Okay. It feels a little bit feels old. old. It feels it feels a little bit old. Not in the same Great. way that Ian's does with like Americana and um, you know wholesomeness and stuff like that. Um, my book is just it's written in the nineties, in the mid nineties. It I I don't remember this book from my childhood. So okay. I think a lot of times we read stuff that we read as children. I don't think I read this as an adult for the first time. Like I was probably in my twenties when I read this book for the first time. Um, but it's a book that keeps pulling me back in and there's a lot to like about it. So there's a girl, her name is Lyra. She's a great, like strong willed young protagonist. She's probably like 10 years old, something like that. Like kind of like kid, she's a kid. Mm-hmm. She's, kid she's a kid. I, w- I would call most 10 year olds kids. Yeah. She's a ki- she's kid aged, right? Yeah. And she lives in this pretty cool world. Like it's our world. Like she lives in at Oxford college. She lives at Oxford college in the city of Cambridge in England, but it's not our world. Right. Mm. Like, so for example, like in her world, Oxford College is a thing. Texas is a thing. Norway is a thing, right? Like it's our world. Thank God for Texas and Norway. And Norway. (laughs) But it's very parallel to our world, right? So while all those things are true, it's also a world in which um, wealthy people ride Zeppelins around. And um, is this steampunk? It's a little steampunky. Yes. If you want to distinguish your world immediately as very different and very impractical, you say dirigibles. Dirigibles. That's, that's got to be like that's got to be like a, like a like a, 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 an established theory that like What's a dirigible? The dirigible. It's an it's an airship. It's a it's a airship. blimp. It's just okay. Great. So like like Norway, like Norway exists, but Norway is a kingdom. Nick of- doesn't like the fact that we're calling them dirigibles. <laughs> I'm learning so much today. Norway exists, Nick, but Watch Norway out is you. It's a dirigible. <laughs> Moving at approximately five miles an hour. <laughs> that was Led Zeppelin's first choice. Um, they eventually got to Led Zeppelin. Mm, I thought that heavy was dirigible. It was yeah. originally Led dirigible. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Norway exists, but Norway is populated entirely by a kingdom of polar bears that wear armor, right? And oh, like, okay. and they like this is have some wars like, uh, with each other. And 
Is this this is uh, what's the Narnia? The Narnia isn't this a it's Narnia a thing? Little Narnia-ish, yeah. It's a little Narnia-ish. I don't know anything about that, but I remember seeing polar bears in the trailer of the movies <laughs> that eventually <laughs> did terrible at the box office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is like the multiverse, right? This is like if there was a version of our world that was just, in some ways, a little bit different, but in some ways, a lot different. And yeah, it's a world. It's our world, but there's kind of low grade magic in it. And and how how much does it lean into the magic? Like, are there are there dragons? No, no. So there's not dragons. Um, and like there's very. It's like science magic. Then it's science magic. Yes, like no. Plus, t- do the polar bears talk? The polar bears definitely talk. Oh, okay. Well, that's basically dragons then. Yeah, it's it's dragons of the north. The magic is definitely there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no wings though. It's not a world in which people can cast spells, right? It's a world that is magical, but there's not magic users, right? All the outbound human stuff is like science-based. Yes, humans are human, right? Humans are human, and they try to explore this world using things like zeppelins and, you know... Dirigibles, you can just say. Dirigibles, yes. Dirigibles, I'm sorry. Zeppelins, Ian? (laughs) Saying zeppelins? What an idiot. He's trying to talk down to you, Nick. Don't let him do it. I don't think so. I think that's the best he can do. Joe, um, okay, so uh, there's the things. There's a world. That's great. Mm -hmm. I love it. Sounds unique-ish. Yep except for Narnia. And uh, what what's is this a long book? How long? It's a, it's a pretty long book, especially for the clientele that it's for, right? Like it's 400 clientele. pages long. Good word. Yeah, it's it's yeah. 400 pages long. Like you guys both have little kids and I bet neither of them can read a 400 page book. Um, it's for bigger kids than your kids. It's for like you might call it a middle grade book. You might call it a young adult book. Um, it's not exactly like it's a. Um, it's a longer book meant for serious young kids. How about that? What, what if you phrase it like this? A longer, a longer serious book meant for taller serious kids. Meant for tall kids. I, I, I don't know why that you're making this complicated. <laughs> it's meant for tall how kids. Tall, how tall must you be to ride this ride? Uh, you definitely have to, like, you probably have to be tall enough to ride, ride a roller coaster to read this book. How, is, how adult is this, Joe? This book is okay. We were talking earlier about um, the the Pixar thing, the thing that we haven't quite named quite yet, which is it is a book for young people that adults get things out of. Mm-hmm. This world feels kind of adulty, and the danger in this book is kind of dangerous danger, right? Like kids are getting kidnapped. Are there Nazis? Um, okay, great question. Oh, we got to start including that as just a baseline yes, question. Yeah, we really ought to. Are there Nazis in this? There's not Nazis, but the antagonist in this book is something called the Ablation Board, right? Which is a good, like, bureaucratic antagonist, right? Like, it's the Ablation is Board. Is that just another big name for, like, what? It's a big name for we're the people that steal children Whoa. and we separate them from their demons this is something i didn't introduce yet okay every human in this book bombs here yep every human in this book has a demon or maybe a daemon depending on how you it's like (laughs) d-a-e-m that's like a a man i'm not talking about matt damon it is a the best i can describe it, it it is an external representation of your soul it takes the form of an animal um, so like it like it might be a dog or a butterfly or a moth oh, or a monkey. It takes the form of an animal, an external representation of your soul. But it is very much like your lifelong companion. 
it's never out of arm's reach of you. It is like your best friend in the world, etc. Harry Potter, Harry Potter thing. Mm, well, what? Harry Potter <laughs> doesn't have these kinds of things. I have a question. When they, when they see the when like the and the stag or whatever, Mister Question, Mister Question. Oh, oh, it's like <laughs> it's like a Patronus. But yeah, I feel like this one. is always is this this is always around, right? You're, you're it's always around. Always like, like, yeah. like your demon, your daemon is always on your shoulder. It is always f- fluttering around your Why head. Why are you and saying daemon? Is it, how is this it's spelled? It's D-A-E-M-O-N to like it's it's like okay. it, I think Pullman wanted to say demon, but he's like, I, I've gotta I've gotta avoid the censors. Mr. Holshaw, I have a question. <laughs> yes, Mr. Dion. This seems like a huge risk narratively <laughs> and world building wise to be like Big okay because my soul though. right my soul is safe it's inside my body if you want to kill the body if you want to kill the soul you got to kill the body but i feel like if souls are important in this story and the soul is external that's like what if you get separated what yeah. if somebody takes a gun and shoots your soul okay so this is a good thing your demons are relatively impervious to the outside world right oh, like okay. like like if somebody shoots your demon your demon doesn't die it's yes don't worry they have, they, the polar safe. bears have golden armor the the demons have plot armor. <laughs> they can interact with each other, right? Like demons get in fights with each other, like small tussles, like when two kids like get into a, an argument. Is this Pokemon? <laughs> a little bit. When two kids get into an argument, sometimes their demons are the ones that settle it. Like one will like assert authority over the other one. Are they stored in tiny imprisoning balls? <laughs> the thing that the ablation board does um, is they kidnap children and they forcibly separate them from their demon with a magic guillotine, right? Like they, wow, they, they sever them. Dark. Yes, they sever them from their demons. This is the type of old stories that I love. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it sounds really innocent. And then they're like, and then we kill children. <laughs> yeah, and then we kill children. Or in the book, it's even more haunting than that because they don't kill the children. Right. They just sever them from their souls for some gain. Um, and and like it feels dangerous and scary and it feels evil. And our Lyra is like she's not exactly it's not harry potter like she's the one saving the world like she has a whole cast of characters around her like she has this like texas balloon man who they hire on she has like a polar bear on her side she has a witch on her side um who's like young and beautiful and flies on brooms so like they have the ragtag crew to confront this evil however it is evil and it is dangerous what's the overt message here joe I'm sure Great you have question. to finish the book. Great but question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Tear it up. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to go ahead and say that we have a, an obvious overt message here. I think one of the things that's great about revisiting this book is this book is complex. And I think like it's a great kind of rip roaring, rollicking, you know, evil story for a kid that wants to read it. But as an adult, like when you read it, I don't know. You really root for Lyra and these ki- and the, and her ragtag. Oh, I hope so. I well, really, you <laughs> really root for the demon separating monsters. Man, I love this guillotine. It I hope feels it gets so dangerous. Souls. <laughs> I will say um, this book frequently comes under fire, right? And, and I think this is less so oh, lately as cancel, its popularity it's the cancel is. Cancel corner. Um, <laughs> well, it frequently comes out of fire because under fire because the people that run the ablation board in the book are the church. 
right? Like it is the church that is doing this, right? They are kidnapping children. They are severing them because they think in the book, it's like a plot thing that gets them like kind of closer to heaven, closer to God, things like that. Like the church does these evil acts in order to bring them ostensibly closer to the kingdom or whatever you want to call it here. Right. Um, so a lot of people take offense to that. They're like, hey, the church is not a bad guy. The church doesn't sever children from their souls, etc." cetera. Um, Philip Pullman, I only have a word about him. He's written a bunch of books. Uh, the Golden Compass trilogy is his, uh, this is the first book in a trilogy. It's his most famous of, of the books that he's written. And he's on the record in interviews talking a lot about how children deserve quality is what he says, right? Like children deserve yes, quality. Yes. This is one of his things. No, not yeah. like scholastic. Never yeah, sponsor not like, this. He's like the anti-scholastic. <laughs> he's like, look, I'm going to write a book with a child protagonist. It's about children, but I'm not going to talk down to them, right? Like I'm going to, you know, build a rich and complex and nuanced world. I'm going to have a kind of intricate plot with kind of a lot of characters. And the danger in my book is not, it's not, you know, Homer price danger. It's not donut machine danger. It's danger, danger um, that our protagonist has to overcome. Are there any, are there any birds that are, are demons? That can't be a good question. Oh, yeah, no, there's uh, birds that are demons. Demons okay, can that, that brings us to that brings us to bird fact. Corner. Oh, bird fact! That's what that segue. Your bird fact of the week, your 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 inspiring bird story of the week is um, in, in the 1980s. The BBC aired what I can only describe as a puff piece about Herbie or potentially Irby, uh, who is an <laughs> Aylesbury duck owned by a family in the suburbs of London. Among other hard hitting footage. The BBC's piece included a few seconds of Herbie riding a skateboard. Uh, That's this really is the good. 1980s, we, right? Are there? And really good. I got it. Can Herbie? we find this? Has this been recorded? I'm sure it's out there. Let's 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 find it and and illegally post it on our our socials. Herbie, Herbie became kind of a the, minor celebrity. So yeah, naturally, when he died, as as celebrity animals tend to do, people around the world were heartbroken. Oh my god! And he lives on. He this lives is on all over YouTube. In, in the phrase skateboarding duck. And this is what, what news media uses. This is the phrase they use to describe a story that is mostly just kind of empty filler used to tack this to fill the, the airtime. Um, but Herbie, the skateboarding duck is a, your inspiring bird fact. He changed Herbie. Oh my changed. God. This is amazing. Look at him. There we are. <laughs> and I do have a little real time follow up here. He is a British duck, which means they definitely pronounce the H in Herbie. Oh, it's, yes, it's not sir. going to be Herbie. It's going to be Herbie. <laughs> oh my. He's all white and he is magnificent. And here he is in. There's a whole. It's almost like a TV show. I don't understand what's happening at all. He's with his family having uh, breakfast at the table. Please. He eats cereal with milk. At, and this is this on the BBC been... official YouTube channel. Wow. And now, wow. Okay. Yes, and now let's share it's this. like a whole story. Here comes the reporter and here comes the skateboard. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Look at him go. <laughs> oh, this is spectacular. I love this. Ian. I love this approach. I just love this mm, new good. way to end yep. every episode. Uh, <laughs> they won't forward. all be this good, but this is a pretty good one. Yep. Uh, 
Uh, gentlemen, welcome to Tiffany's A Safe Place for you to tell me all the terrible things about your book without it being really held against you. But obviously, as we know, it will. So um, <laughs> what didn't you like about your book? Be real with me. Joe? probably for kids right that's got to be one of the main <laughs> no because it doesn't feel like that like it doesn't oh, okay. feel like it's for kids it feels like it's for you know kids of all ages um what don't i like about this i, I always forget that tiffany's exists hey, come back to me probably come back not to enough me. pictures make, make ian go first ian anything no, you, you can also choose to not say anything no it's so a waste of our time yeah, i'm gonna say know, i'm yeah. gonna say two things you, um, there, are, there are plenty of pictures but I, you i wish there were more and um the stories bonus, are bonus the stories are good but they they're short you know yeah I, this they is a world i would love to live in like i want so there's, so there's a there's a sequel to this which maybe i'll bring sometime and it's called centerberg tales i want there to be like 800 of these books um they're so good uh and they're, well, you they're said only kind of got cut he yeah, got cut right. short a little bit right? he, no he didn't he cut himself short i'm or, grouchy that yeah, McCloskey published eight books and like wrote eight books and then said, I'm done. I've, I've won for, um, awards for four of these. I'm out. That's so McCloskey. many books, though. Maybe he, he just didn't have a, of his talent. another. Uh, he just maybe had a really high bar of quality here. Yep. Yep. Every time I reread it, I'm struck by how there are scenes in this book and moments in this book that are absolutely gut wrenching that are absolutely devastating that are absolutely like like real tears sad and that bums me out i like happy things as we've discussed on this show many times my right. tiffany's is sometimes this book is a little too sad right a little, especially like when they kidnap the children and steal their souls and separate them from their souls yeah, that, yes. that's some harry potter dark shit uh joe you lose i also don't like that mm-hmm. if i want a kid's book i want it to be mailed to me by my friend ian and so <laughs> i can read it and so ian your bribe has won Congratulations. Yes, bribery <laughs> always wins. <laughs> All right, congratulations, it. Ian. Congratulations, Cadbury Award. Congratulations. What Cad- do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Is right. this a new thing? Congratulations, <laughs> the real winner today, Herbie the Duck. Herbie the Duck winning our Herbie. hearts. All yeah. right. If you want to keep on supporting this show, the best thing you can do is head on over to tweenvogue.com. There's a W in that. T-W-E-E-N Vogue.com. Every time, every time we say this, Nick just loses it. Even though this is his joke at first. And suggest a book, suggest a theme. Um, Ian and I, you know, we have our slump books, but mostly we read the stuff that you suggest. So um, the best way to do that Lit is heads, to go If there. you have books that you read when you're in a slump, submit them. Love it. That's a good direct call to action. That's a good call. Um, yeah, love it. Um, beyond that, um, had you know, rate, review, et cetera, social media, et cetera. Um, the best thing you can do, though, if you're enjoying the show, is to tell a bookish friend about it. Be like, hey, do you remember that book that you read when you were a kid, like called Homer and the Donut Machine or whatever it's called? And they're going to be like, oh, right, that rings a vague bell. And it's like, these three idiots talked about it this week. <laughs> you might want to check it out. more. These morons. So that, that's it. Congratulations, Ian. Congratulations, Homer. Congratulations, um, ducklings and Herbie. Ducklings. Yeah. Big day um, for ducks. Big, di- big, big day. Big yeah, big, a big duck day. Birds on this show. Love, love <laughs> duck focus. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to this. This book. You can't really quote it because the stories are so tight. I'm going to share some uh, some of McCloskey's um, uh, self description. He was a very humble, shy person. So all the interviews are him saying, well, I just sort of watched a lot of ducks and then drew some ducks and it was uh, sold two million copies, you know, 
Um, but he talks about his art as kind of uh, muscle memory. He says drawing is a way of seeing and thinking. Most of my friends, he goes on, don't and friends and neighbors just don't seem to see as I do, even looking at simple things like a ball of string. But I'm not a nut, really, as anybody can see. I have one foot resting on reality and the other foot planted firmly on a banana peel. Pretty good. I do like how he insists that he's not a nut. Anybody can see that. Yeah, I feel like that's, that's, that's just like a telltale heart. I'm not insane. I'm not insane. Let me tell you why. Believe me. 